0: i'm your host jasmine ratch and we are proud to welcome you back to blue and gold podcast We could spend hours recapping these last few months. The world has changed since the last time Blue and Gold hosted an episode. But for the sake of time, we are focusing mostly on the here and now. Today, we dive deep into three of this past summer's top stories. First, the status on the statue. We explore whether or not the Egerton Ryerson statue, which was defaced and graffitied several times over the summer, deserves a place on campus. Next, an update on the recent operational agreement that was reached between the RSU and the university following a lawsuit filed by the RSU earlier this year. And finally, Ryerson is launching a law school during a pandemic. Ryersonian editor-in-chief Patrick Swadden tells us why the school took extra steps to become the only faculty on Ryerson campus to offer part of its curriculum in person amidst the COVID-19 pandemic. Here is our first story. To tear down or not to tear down, Ryerson President Mohamed Lashemi has announced a task force to examine the legacy of the school's namesake, Egerton Ryerson. While Ryerson was a former minister, educator, and politician, he also played a principal role in the creation of Canada's residential school system. In the wake of global social reckoning, the university and its students are questioning whether or not his statue deserves to remain standing on Gould Street in the middle of campus, and discussing what exactly its presence represents. Today, we're joined by our editor-in-chief, Patrick Swadden, and our photo editor, Sabrina Porgesemi, who reported on the story. So, I just want to know from both of you guys, after doing a little bit of reporting on, you know opinions on the statue and what generally people are thinking about it. Do you want to talk a little bit about how we've got to where we're at and uh, what happened initially since the statue has been defaced over the summer?
1: Yeah. I mean, as, as we saw like protests erupting, um, you know, across the summer um, it really, I think became part of this overarching narrative of, 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 you know, how to reconcile um, our past, like people that were, you know, founding members of various institutions that have that have these very checkered and and controversial pasts. I mean, Ryerson is named after um, someone who who played a, a big part in you know development of Ontario education system, but also was a major architect of of the um, of the residential uh, school system. And you know, as uh, for, for all of us, it's a big issue. But um, to to imagine you know being an 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 indigenous student walking around on campus and and seeing um you know a statue of somebody who you know and a statue is generally something that is a celebration of a person and and to see that and and think this person was you know in charge of of segregating and and committing cultural genocide against my ancestors and and so i think that this is a a a really important conversation to be having um happy that we're we're having it um but as for where it's going to go it's it's a little bit early at the at this point
2: yeah i just i when i first searched up everything and was doing my research i found um maz khan's um petition on change.org And I reached out to him and I asked him like, why is this so important to you? And it's important to so many people as it should be. And um, he was really passionate about it. He graduated and as an alumnus, he thought he took it upon himself to um, do something about it and start this petition. And since I'm pretty sure it's at least if not at 10,000 signatures, I'm not even too sure how many it has right now, but it keeps. It's. He started it over the summer, and it just keeps getting more and more signatures. So,
1: you know, for anybody who's been following the story, uh, uh you know, President Lachemi did announce uh, a a task force um, that will include, uh, you know, deans, faculty, students, Ryerson community, and they're going to be, um, you know, having pretty transparent, as as we understand at least at this point, discussions over the next. Um, well, months, um, and and as I understand, I, I think they're going to have recommendations, and um, the task force will ultimately make kind of a decision, probably some sometime next year. Um, but the ball is kind of roll, rolling on that.
0: Right, right. Um, the conversation about removing the statue has been, I mean, it's been ongoing for years, right? So mm-hmm. it's been developing. I mean, we all we all know that the the latest. Yeah, I- change was that plaque that has been placed beside the statue um mm-hmm. can you guys talk a little bit about what sort of conversations are happening among i mean students and faculty who have been active in this conversation um what sort of conversations are happening um what sort of changes do people want to see do does everybody want the statue removed do people want some sort of
2: agreement i think everyone's just they want change it's been talked about for years it's been an ongoing conversation and they start talking about it and nothing really and en- comes out of it at the end and I think everyone just wants to see real change being made and people actually acknowledging it I know in 2018 like you said they put up that plaque which sort of just acknowledged it but at the end of the day the statue still standing there it's still um like it's still there and people don't want us to be acknowledging him for who his past, all that he's done um, towards the indigenous community. And I think people are just tired of seeing it and they want change.
1: Yeah. I, I think really like there's, there's a, a range of <laughs> of kind of diverse uh, opinions on this. There There are some people that are, really angry that, that, that it's still there. I mean, they're just, they're vehemently, um, you know, wanting this, this statue to be, be taken down. And, and, um, and some of those opinions have, have been expressed I mean, Of course, it would be impossible to, to, you know, read everything that's, that any, everybody's written about this or, or, or said about this. Um, and then, and then there's some people who, who just, they, they want, um, there to be kind of an open discussion about what we do i mean that that plaque that they um implemented or that they they installed next to the statue i think that that was put in 2018 um and that was kind of a start because it it, it did mm-hmm. it did tell a little bit about Ry- egerton ryerson's history um and and his role in the residential school system and to be honest you know from from my perspective you know when i applied to ryerson i'm from the west coast you know when i first put my application together. Like I, I didn't know who Ryerson was named, was named after. Um, and I probably didn't know even when I, when I first, first started. So, you know, regardless of like what comes of this, I think it's fantastic that, that conversations are being had right now because, um, you know, as, as this petition has, has grown, uh, has gained momentum, you know, people do their own research. Um, and they, they, They'll say, oh, you know, what's this about? Oh my goodness. Wow. I, I didn't know this about the, about this, you know, history. I mean, you know, I don't know if Ryerson University is still gonna be named Ryerson University fifty years from now. You know, it's important that 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 we have a, a uncomfortable, you know, conversations about this.
0: Okay. Well, thanks so much for chatting with me today, guys. January twenty fourth, 2020, Ryerson University announced that it would be terminating its agreement with the RSU, on the basis that the Student Union failed to meet its conditions set out last year. In 2019, the RSU came under hot water when former President Ram Ganesh spent over $250,000 on personal recreational expenditures. In response, the student union filed a $2.7 million lawsuit against the university in damages over the termination of its 1986 operating agreement. In March, the Ontario Superior Court of Justice granted the RSU an injunction until the lawsuit was settled. In a statement released in March, the university said that they would continue working with the RSU to find a solution. Today, we speak with our news editor and student government reporter, Paula Tran, about where the RSU stands now. You've really had your finger on the RSU's pulse since uh, Ryerson pushed to dissolve it last last January, so tell me a little bit about that. Tell me about the agreement that was broken and what the plans are next.
3: Yeah, so basically, to give you a background, um, I think... A year, so two years ago, so the so so the academic year before last year, um, one of the former RSU presidents, Ram Ganesh, um, was basically outed as like oh he spent 250k in credit card, um, and this was broken. It, the The story first broke with the eye opener. Um, so basically, because of that, Ryerson decided well we're gonna with Hold the RSU fees that we pay as stu- like that we pay as students. So Ryerson said, "Oh, let's withhold the fees until you give us a forensic audit um, of what basically happened." So the union, so the RSU said, "Yes, we'll give you um, a forensic audit um, as part of that kind of agreement to get the fees back." So the forensic audit, I think, was started sometime in February or March last uh, last year in 2019. It turns out that when the, in January 2020, during the semi-annual agenda meeting, that it was not a forensic audit, but instead a financial review by the auditors, uh, PwC. So, the un- so Ryerson actually, I don't know if it was in response to this, but Ryerson, because of the financial scandal that happened in 2019, um, they broke the operating agreement with the RSU, saying that because the RSU was is so financially mismanaged, um, as well as during that time, during during that time there was a lot of internal strife um, between the executives of the RSU, um, the executive team last year. Um, so that so those are the reasons why Ryerson decided to terminate that operating agreement. And that was in January 20, uh, 2020, January 24th. The union, the RSU did put out a letter, um, a public a media release saying we condemn, like they basically saying that they condemned this and they wanted Ryerson to reopen negotiations with them because um, they represent students as a union, it equi- they said is equivalent to union busting in a, um, in a work environment. And then four days after Ryerson announced that it would break, it would no longer recognize the RSU as the official student body, um, the RSU filed a lawsuit uh, to the Ontario Superior Court of Justice, I believe. Um, and they filed for an injunction as well because they said because Ryerson is still withholding fees from the RSU, um, and it's a lot of fees, there's a lot of money, um, the RSU filed for an injunction saying, we need that money to survive. And that was in March. And they went to the injunction and the injunction basically, um, the judge that was presiding on that case um, basically said, because the RSU presented a case where without those fees, they really only had one month um, left in oper- before they had to fully shut down um, at that time, one month at the time. Um, so the judge granted the injunction in RSU's favor um, but yeah so they did so I think after around in late March early April the it was reported that um, that Ryerson and the RSU signed a new operating agreement. Um, the content of the operating agreement is unknown because the document isn't public to us but um, for now the the conflict between Ryerson and the RSU have been uh, mitigated <laughs> for now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow! So since since the RSU has
0: been under such such a spotlight, um, can you tell me how the RSU has been working to gain back the trust of the Ryerson community?
3: Yeah. So the new so the new executive team um, led by Ali Yusuf. So the new RSU team. During the elections last year, they said that they will try, like at the beginning of the year, they will survey um, students to see what they, you know, what students want from the student Union and what students want to see um, the Student Union do. Um, they did, uh, they did establish, they did announce in August that they will, um, they will establish two grants for students during COVID, uh, because of COVID-19. One of them is the covid relief grant, and the other is the food relief grant. Um, The COVID relief grant, they say they will allocate $100,000 towards that, um, and the food relief grant will be allocated $20,000. Right now, applications have not yet opened. I did ask the VP equity uh, of Vaishali about that, and they said they're still working with the university to make sure that the that the applications are equitable and the process is equitable for students um, at Ryerson, um, but she didn't give an exact timeline of when that will happen. So yeah, that's the progress so far that I can see um, since they took office in May.
0: Okay, so since they've uh, come to terms with the current operating agreement, can you tell me a little bit about how that agreement came to pass over the summer?
3: I'm not exactly sure. Um, How that negotiating, how that operating agreement was negotiated, because that process is not open, like disclosed publicly.
0: What steps has the RSU been taking to address and deal with the pandemic and with remote learning? I know you talked a little bit about those two grants are getting started. Um, What else have they been getting up to?
3: Yeah, so I reported um, well yesterday, but when I asked the RSU a few days, uh, a week ago. And a few days ago about what they're planning to do with equity service centers. Um, given that the equity service centers are very important to a lot of um, students here because they service a lot of black, indigenous, um, and people of color, but also women and trans people and queer people as well. Um, so I asked them what they're trying to do um, in regards to that um, and the VP equity um, basically told me that they are going to be operating virtually and that they will try to provide as many of the services like peer support and events and resources to students who need it um, as much as they can. Um, and for for stuff like the Good Food Center, which is the food bank on campus, um, the VP Equity also said that it will also be operating virtually this term because they didn't, the exec team didn't want the center um to be the next epicenter of the COVID-19 like COVID-19. Um, they didn't want to be epicenter of a COVID-19 outbreak. Um, so they have physically closed the good food center for now. It is not sure if they will reopen um, in January or not. Um, it all really depends on whether the Ryerson campus will be open and if provincial health guidelines say that is safe to open. Um, so right now they are trying to partner with some food banks um, in Toronto um, for new initiatives. They didn't really give me any details of what those new new initiatives um, are going to be like, but they are going to try to provide um, services for students who are feeling food insecure in Toronto.
0: Okay, I'm sure we'll be keeping up with that so students can know about all the resources that are available to them. Okay, last question. What are the RSU's main goals for this next year, and what changes can Ryerson students expect to see from their student union?
3: So when the so when the RS, so when the current RSU team campaigned last year, they a lot of their platform was listening to students, surveying students, and um, asking students what they want. Um, and an, another campaign point was regaining the trust from the university. So in a lot of the conversation I have, I've had with um, President Ali Yusuf this year, um, this, this since the start of the academic year, um, he said that they are going to, they are going, they're committed to being fiscally responsible um, to the RSU and to rep, uh, represent um, the student's best interests. Now it is not exactly sure what they're they what they're going to do because he didn't really elaborate on that. Um, but I think those are the two main goals for now. We'll see if that changes um, in the next few months.
0: Okay, so we'll be looking for your reporting on that. We, you're the you're the person to go to for all things RSU. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Paula, for chatting with us. Finally, Ryerson's newest faculty will also be its most interactive one. Ryerson Law is in its first year of operations and its 171 lawyers in training are some of the only Ryerson students to have the option to learn in person. While most classes will be taught remotely, a press release on Ryerson's official website reads that a robust program of extracurricular activities will be delivered both on campus and virtually, subject to public health directives and protocols. This hybrid model runs contrary to those of other faculties, like arts, science, and communications and design, which will offer their entire curriculum online. Here, we talk with Editor-in-Chief Patrick Swadden about why the law school chose this model, and more details about what Ryerson's new law school is going to look like. Um, So tell me a little bit about how the law school is one of the only faculties Ed Ryerson, that's doing this hybrid learning curriculum, that's doing the both the in classes and remote classes. Um, talk a little bit about why that decision was made and how how they expect it to work.
1: Yeah, I mean, I wish I could get into the 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 kind of nitty gritty about you know how exactly they came to the decision to have like some in person stuff. Um, I do know that like to some extent. Most of these schools, some of us are willing to be at home, but like most schools, would really wish for some kind of in-person learning. But I think there was just like an overwhelming con- consensus, and and like almost um, uh, like a like a almost like petitioning from from students to to have some kind of in-person um, interaction. Um, so I don't know exactly which classes are are going to be online and wit and which will be in person. Yeah, I think there was kind of. You know, um, some excitement that there would be some um, in in class stuff, but uh, um, how it's how it's going to play out, I I guess we'll we'll find out. Um, I know that Ryerson's doing some some of these like um, intensives, like they're not just having their regular classes, you know, contracts and tort law and criminal law and that whatnot, but they're starting out their semesters with these like intensive you know sort of five day training sessions where they focus on like social innovation, technological innovation, you know access to justice that kind of thing. Don't know much about it yet because we've just started talking about these stories but um but uh um I know that's one of the one of the things that they're kind of trying to be on the cutting edge uh edge for.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's very interesting. That's a cool way to start.
1: Yeah, it's it's um you know i from what I've read it like i I'm guessing that it's just you know it's Ryerson trying to um i don't know send send it like a bit of a preemp preemptive strike for for um the challenges of of the twenty first century i mean I don't think it's maybe enough to to have just legal training but to also have legal training within the context of how um the justice system works in the in the twenty first century with regards to, you know, social change, technological change. It seems interesting to me. Yeah.
0: Hopefully, yeah. Uh, uh, the first group of law students will be, you know, ha- as law students and lawyers are outspoken, and I'm sure they'll they'll be hearing all the feedback that they <laughs> that they need. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sticking around for a while, Patrick, and uh, giving me your insight.
1: No problem. I
0: appreciate it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we'll talk to you again soon.
0: Here's what else we're following this week. With many Ryerson students choosing to pursue their studies remotely, and others opting to delay their schooling entirely, campus residences occupancy rates have plummeted to 40 percent. Next, Young Toronto is a City of Toronto initiative to widen sidewalks and reduce driver traffic on Young Street between Queen Street and College Street, and it just revealed its latest proposed design earlier this month. And finally, a professor at Ryerson is spearheading a fashion and race database and fundraising campaign for BIPOC students interested in fashion. Kimberly Jenkins is an assistant professor at the School of Fashion, and she raised $57,000 this summer. That number includes a generous donation from world-famous comedian John Mulaney and his wife, Ryerson graduate, Anna Marie Tendler. That's all for this week's Blue and Gold. Thanks a lot for listening. Catch up with us next week for more of your community's top stories. Blue and Gold is a production of the Ryersonian and Ryerson School of Journalism. I'm your host, Jasmine Rath, and our executive producers this week are Dania Ali, Sidra Jaffrey, and Alex Sear. Our editor-in-chief is Patrick Swadden, and our managing editor is Michelle Allen. Our instructors are Peter Baker-George and H.G. Watson.